one. We are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing this week, Seth? I'm good. All right. Pretty good, too. But uh, I'm coming in. Uh, why is it dark right now? I'm in Europe. So uh, my setup is not perfect right now. But the sound should be pretty good. I have my sure microphone with me. So uh, hopefully the audio is good. The video, not as much. But you're not here for my pretty face. You're here for the information. And we have plenty of that this week, uh, starting with uh, uh, Tesla inventory. So we're getting new data coming in that uh, shows that Tesla inventory has reached a new high this year. And uh, you can actually track it with the price cuts in the U.S. This is U.S. inventory, I should, should specify. And uh, there's a bit of a worrying trend, though it's not so much worrying because it's actually mostly Model X, surprisingly. So here is the trend. Um, you can see here at the end of last quarter, obviously, inventory a little bit higher because Tesla drops a bunch of inventory at the end of the quarter that it tries to move fast. Then it drops as the price drops happen too early in the quarter. But then it keeps climbing nonstop despite Tesla slashing price twice in that in that little uptrend here so it might show that the price cuts are not working as well as intended and right now it's higher even higher than it was right here which was uh right before the early 2023 price cut which was the first one of a, a series of bigger one so you, you can actually track like all of these spikes and and downward uh, trend here are all linked to to price cuts. So it, it was working for a long period of time, but since April, not so much. But when it gets a, not as bad is when you look at this here, which is the the trends for each different models. And by the way, just to be clear, this is Tesla's new vehicle inventory. So on the website for sale, it's not it doesn't account for vehicle in transit because we already knew that Tesla's inventory was an all time high at the end of last quarter. When Tesla disclosed having 15 days worth of inventory, which was the highest uh, uh, in years and years and years. But Tesla kind of blamed it on the vehicle in transit. But now they cannot do that here because this, this is not vehicles sold to customers. This is vehicles for sales to customers. So the silver lining here is that the Mall X is actually the, the vehicle that is uh, uh, the problem in inventory. It, it accounts for nearly half of Tesla's inventory right now. And it, it surged a lot in... Uh, early March. So that would make sense. Probably just Tesla just building a, a big batch at that time, but they just wouldn't sell that much. Uh, there was, of course, the big price cut in early April. That helped. But since then, it's been going right back up despite another $5,000 price cut. Though, as we reported last week, there was a $2,500 increase again, uh, but with uh, three years of free supercharging. So I would believe that the three years of free supercharging is more important than, than the price cut, but 1,200 uh, Model X and inventory says otherwise. Model 3, also a bit of an issue, went way up in the last two weeks, despite those two, those two other price cuts. Uh, the silver lining is Model Y. So Model Y has been successful. Um, the price cut has been successful on the Model Y, and Model S seems to be like pretty stable, so that's also good news. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that you see. I mean, I don't think. Do you think Tesla would cut the price of the Model X without touching the price of the Model S? 
That's that would be weird because it's already yeah. pretty close. Like I think in some configurations it's the same price. And plaid is think, the same price, yeah. Can you can you imagine a Model X costing less than a Model S? Yeah, but if uh, if the demand is there, like uh, right, almost makes sense. And then um, the Model Y, uh, like the price of that is not probably going to come down anymore since it's already going way down. And uh, later on, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, or. Uh, more recently, there was a story about them dropping the third row, so that's even kind of yeah. That's a, a that's a thousand dollars off of the third row. I don't I don't know what what's the take rate on that third row though. That's the like how big of an impact that thousand dollars gonna have. Well, it's it can't hurt. Yeah, it cannot hurt. But like, have you seen a lot of third rows out there? Like people buying third rows. I have. They're super small, and I I yeah. would feel like claustrophobic sitting yeah. back there. But like uh, it's barely a third row. But if you have a you know bunch of little kids, yeah, you throw a couple back there. It's useful. Uh, it's similar to when Tesla had the Model S with the backward facing third row. Uh, that thing was awesome. Tesla removed that feature apparently because the take rate was so low too. So. But it, right. but if anything happens, we think the Model Three will get another discount, but the Model Y probably won't get another discount. Well, and Model Three also depends on the fact that in the U.S. they're still not releasing the long range for new builds. That's right. Some are in inventory at times, so they're, they're still producing it, but not new builds. Uh, sorry, not not new inventory. And there's the new supposedly refresh island coming too, so we don't know how that's gonna plays into this whole thing but we might talk a little bit later about that too because of the ford ceo's comments that i thought was interesting today but before that moving on to the next story which is a wild one um it the i mean the headline says most of it like the the it's it's not really about that it's about like a lawsuit but it's what's interesting here is the defense that tesla has used in this lawsuit uh it tesla basically came out saying that some of Elon Musk's statesmen out there, without specifying which one, uh, some statesmen about self-driving might have been deepfakes. And uh, because of that, and for the people who don't know deepfakes, well, deepfakes, people use the term for different things. But in, in this case, they would use it for like videos of Elon Musk that have been altered for him to say things that he didn't actually say. Um, CGI, like videos, basically, the computer-generated videos. But um, so, th how did this came up? Basically, this is uh, this is an old story that we actually reported uh, on before. It's uh, the story of uh, Walter Young. Uh, the uh, he's an Apple engineer that was a Model X owner, and he died in 2018 in a crash in uh, in Mountain View, California. He he was on autopilot, and um, he was uh, he was driving on the highway, and the car sort of got into. Um, what do you call a median thinking that it was a lane, but it ran into uh, the remains basically of a national uh, a crash attenuator uh, because the crash attenuator was actually uh, crashed into a few days prior. So it was basically all gone already. So it was crashed into that... a, a few days prior by another Tesla on autopilot. <laughs> I don't think that's the case, but I think, no, I think <laughs> I remember. Reading you that. think? I don't remember that. I'm gonna do some research. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I think it was just another crash, but yeah, it is. It, I mean, 
there's a reason where there's a crash detonator there. Like a crash is likely, uh, but uh, so obviously uh, the, the the lack of crash detonator was made it a lot more difficult on um, uh, on the impact. And Walter unfortunately died of his injuries at a hospital later on. So now, following that, Walter's family decided to sue Tesla, uh, blaming the autopilot. In the meantime, um, authorities actually investigated the the incident, and a lot more information came out. First of all, um, it's actually a very interesting case, really, and and, and a complicated one, uh, in fact, because uh, Tesla, when back when that was back when they still had a full PR team. And I have to admit, they, they got us on, on that one. That was before we had like a full understanding of how Tesla was treating its autopilot data. And the way they presented the story, they released a whole like blog post or, or PR release on, on it. And they, they blame Walter right away saying that uh, 19 times during that drive, he didn't have his hands on the steering wheel. Uh, well, in fact, no. Tesla said that 19 times they couldn't detect his hands on the steering wheel because that's the actual truth here uh, but of course everyone just thought that as like if they cannot detect the hands on the steering wheel it's because he didn't have his hands on the steering wheel but in fact we now know clearly that tesla cannot detect hands on the steering wheel never it can only detect pressure on it well so yeah technically it can detect that it has hands when there's pressure on it but only for only when that happens but it cannot detect that there's no hands on the steering wheel that's out of tesla's capacity with autopilot because there's no sensors on the steering wheel that can do that um so tesla basically like used the data at its advantage there uh but at the same time there is one point of data that did play a lot in tesla's favor according to the nitsa investigation uh phone data showed that uh walter was playing with uh, was playing a video game on his phone at the time of the crash. So obviously there was some issues with attention there while driving. Um, and um, and also there was about 150 meters, which is like uh, over like 500 feet between the time that the car entered the median and ran into the crash attenuator or the, the remains of the crash attenuator. So, um, so yeah, like 500 feet, it's a decent amount of time to realize that you shouldn't be in the median and you shouldn't move away. So the lack of attention was, was pretty clear at that point when you combine that with the fact that he was playing a video game. Now, obviously, Tesla always says when you activate the pilot, you need to pay attention at all time. You need to be ready to take control on all time. So this was, we thought it was pretty much a done deal at this point. However, the, the, the family decided to sue anyway and their argument is that Walter believed that he could operate his vehicle with autopilot in that manner, meaning without paying much attention, because of statement made by Elon Musk and uh, Tesla in general. So that that's where we are today, and that's where this article comes from today. This uh, this crazy statement that Tesla made. So. Um, they wanted to interview Elon Musk based on, uh, on some of his statement. And we, we know that Elon has plenty of uh, very, let's say, uh, ambitious statement about autopilot out there and, and, and self-driving. So the, the lawyers for the family wanted to interview him to discuss that specifically uh, because it's the center of the case. And Tesla's argument to uh, try to block Elon from being uh, interviewed was that some of his statement, Tesla cannot tell 
if some of the statements are deep fakes and therefore Elon shouldn't have to justify them because some of them might be deep fakes. Um, but as far as we can tell from what, what, what the judge says, uh, Tesla never specified which statement could be deep fake. So the judge was not impressed to say the least. This is the judgment. Um, their position, their being Tesla, is that because Mr. Musk, Mr. Musk is famous and might be more of a target for deep fakes, his public statements are immune. In other words, Mr. Musk and uh, Mr. Musk, why can I say Musk today? And others in his position can simply say whatever they like in the public domain, then hide behind the potential of their recorded statement being deep fakes to avoid taking ownership of what they did actually say and do. Uh, so like, as clearly as it gets, the judge shut that down pretty quickly. And actually, she uh, she she ruled that Musk should be made available for an interview of up to three hours to discuss this. Now, this is a bit scary because this, <laughs> this sort of introduced the idea of Tesla uh, backing away from Musk's comment on uh, full self-driving and obviously Musk's comment on full self-driving is extremely important for Tesla in general because Tesla has sold a lot of cars because of that promise that they would eventually unlock full self-driving capability in virtually every vehicle built since 2016 and now it's in the millions of units so we're talking about the, a very big deal here. Um, and the idea that some of those statements are not valid just because they could be deep fakes when you cannot even like tell which one would be. That's a scary proposition. And the craziest part too is that I actually agree with the premise of it that eventually it's going to be true. Like eventually we might get to a place where you cannot tell the difference between a deep fakes and a real video of someone. And uh, that will, that will change public discourse forever. And it's going to be extremely hard to uh, see what's right and what's not. But uh, we're not there yet. So right now, they are deepfake. Deepfakes really exist, but you can tell the difference. Video experts can tell the difference. Uh, so if Tesla or Elon have, has any concern about that, they should say exactly which one they are so we can figure out the, what is real and what isn't real and what he said uh, about self-driving because I feel like it's pretty important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a weird, weird situation. Uh, what you know initially i heard that i was like uh this is just lawyers being lawyers and trying to get weasel out of it but um it as you said like this is going to be an issue in the future um and you know also like we don't really know uh what uh walter huang was you know watching but like he died in 2019 like the deep fakes back then really sucked they weren't great so oh, that's a good point yeah so it, uh, it would be any statement made before 2018 that would be valid to uh, to this case. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Kind of feels like that's BS. Yeah, I mean, I, I think on both sides it, it's BS. Like obviously, uh, the 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 main thing that Tesla communicates with people is the thing that he communicates every time you activate autopilot, which is keep your hands on the steering wheel and stay attention at all time. And anyone that's not listening to that you're using autopilot wrong period um and then if he's like playing video game at a time and everything like this is like this is on him like i'm sorry like i'm sorry to the family and everything but this is like definitely on him unfortunately um but on tesla's side this is just a ridiculous defense and like just, just i don't i don't get it at all 
and I just I hope it's not like a precedent to what they aim to do in the future when other people call out Elon Musk on like, hey, you said things about self driving and then it never happened. It's like because, like you said, it might be just lawyers being lawyers, but at the same time, if they were my lawyers and my lawyers were claiming like that, oh. Uh, You didn't actually say that because they're deep fakes. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> I, I would kind of need to be on board before they make a statement like that. Yeah. So I don't know if Elon was, but if he wasn't, he sh I would fire these these lawyers. And maybe, maybe this is the yeah. hardcore lit uh, litigation team that he's putting together at Tesla that is doing that. Like, you remember when he announced that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. This was interesting. Um, Elon May uh, met uh, met the South Korean president Yoon Suk Yeol. I hope I'm pronouncing that okay. So uh, the South Korean president was in uh, Washington D.C. for a visit, and uh, he met Musk apparently at his request. So this is an important fact here, and they discussed the potential of a Tesla gigafactory in Korea. So we know that Tesla is often solicited by governments and and, and different markets and, and jurisdiction to invest there for a factory because Tesla factories have been proven since, for a while now to be an incredible uh, asset in terms of uh, um, employment uh, growth and uh, investment in a specific sector. So normally a lot of countries, they, they try to uh, court uh, Tesla and, and Musk in particular about that. But in this case, it's Elon who reached out to the president Uh, I think Elon was also in D.C. that week for um, talk to uh, Senator Schumer about uh, AI. So he was already in town and seek the meeting with the president of South Korea uh, to do it. And uh, the South Koreans seem to be pretty open to it. Uh, they say, uh, should Tesla decide to invest, we will provide active support in terms of location, workforce and taxes. So obviously, South Korea is a big market, but also a, a big um supplier of, of vehicles and, and components uh, obviously lg samsung and then actual car manufacturer like hyundai and, and kia so uh, it's an interesting market for tesla to get into it's not the first time that there's been rumors talked and uh, comments about tesla going into south korea not just for selling but also for producing vehicles or, or batteries too uh, so i wouldn't be surprised that that uh That it would happen, especially Tesla has had some success in Asia already with uh, Gigafactory Shanghai. Um, there was talked about the second Gigafactory in China or Asia in general. Didn't really happen as Tesla seemed to just like double down on Shanghai instead and just increase production capacity there because they just every money they seem to invest in Shanghai seems to be paying off a lot. Uh, but now it should be probably the time for a second Asian Gigafactory for Tesla. So maybe Korea is going to be the one. Yeah, it's interesting because Korea is such a uh, battery uh, mecca already with uh, mm -hmm. LG and Samsung and SK and all the others. Um, it's surprising that they need to go out and find uh, more you know, potential battery factory companies. But obviously, uh, you know, Tesla's a big boy in the, in the uh, battery world. Yeah, and maybe they would seek uh, a partner. Maybe they would uh, try to deepen their ties with uh, one of those that you just mentioned in order to... Uh you know, uh, have a, a wider partnership and, and supply of batteries. That would be interesting. Or they want to steal Tesla's secrets. <laughs> yeah, that's always the, the go-to. Huh? Yeah. 
Um, all right, the yoke steering wheel is not only not a, a standard option anymore, um, well, the standard option as it used to be, you know, a few months ago, Tesla introduced a round steering wheel option, but when you go into the configurator, the yoke was always the standard one, and the round one was the option uh, at no extra cost, though. Now they switched it around where the round one is the standard one, the yoke is an option, and they even added a $250 premium on it. So I'm not sure what this is about exactly, because again, it used to be standard. I don't know if the yoke is more expensive to produce than the round, and I would assume not since it wasn't a premium before. So the only thing that I can think of, and it might uh, be true and it might be, uh, uh, it, it might confirm that it's actually more popular than the, the round and Tesla's trying to make some money on this. Do you think? I don't know. Two fifty is not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. Adding, yeah, but and it's also fifty pure profit though. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's weird though that because originally I feel like um, Elon had said somewhere that uh, they were keeping the yokes and you know they're going to see they yeah. were going to like expand the yokes. Well, he said that it was like the best experience form of a steering wheel. So right, yeah, so, so they would move forward with it. Yeah. So I guess if it's the best, you got to charge a premium. <laughs> yeah. But my thinking is like where I would understand that people would prefer it over the round one is that it's actually not the biggest, con the round, the shape of the yoke versus the round is not the biggest concern with the Model S and X right. steering wheel. It's actually the lack of stock, of, of steering stock and the, the replacement of the, the force touch buttons on them. So like if if you already if that's not a choice if tesla is not bringing back the stock you just a round wheel of a yoke wheel i mean the uh, i guess most people feel like they want a yoke because i mean it's cool <laughs> it does look cool uh, i can admit that all right tesla they released their uh impact report uh, this um this week so they update a lot of information to that. So I went through the whole thing. It was really interesting stuff, but a lot, most of it is like copy pasted from last year. Not much of new information for the most part. Um, but uh, most interesting to me, at least, is an update on the battery degradation data. Um, something that is uh, close to a lot of people's uh, mind when they buy an electric car is how long the battery pack is going to last and how it's going to perform over longer uh, a longer period of time and more mileage on it. And uh, previously, Tesla has talked about 200,000 miles, uh, getting 10% battery degradation. And now uh, a year later, they're talking about 12%. So a little bit worse, but to be expected because mileage is not the only impact on, on a, a vehicle, a battery pack, but also time. So if a year passed, it's, uh, it's normal that the degradation might be a little bit worse. Uh, the good news is that the uh, standard of deviation is not huge, so that's nice. Uh, so that means there's not too many stragglers that go like way down. I think it's like pretty stable, and uh, the retention rate stays uh, relatively leveled uh, once you pass the, um, I'd say, 180,000 miles or something. It starts to level a little bit, so it shows that you, you should be able to retain over 80% for uh, a decent amount of time, like maybe like 100,000 more miles than that. So that's good. Um, this, uh, by the way, this is only Model S and X battery pack because I guess Tesla believes it doesn't have enough data on 200 plus miles, uh, uh, plus 200 plus thousand miles, Model 3 and Model Y. 
even though there are a few, especially Model 3s that already reached that. Uh, but the company did say that they're going to release more data on that and even uh, more, uh, especially more chemistry. So Tesla right. Mileage is only one factor in battery capacity retention. Battery age is also a major factor. Retention figures at the lower mileage above likely reflect the impact of age, while higher mileage values, which come from high utilization vehicles, likely reflect as uh, less influence from battery age. Performance on newer chemistries, not shown here, can vary, and we plan to expand this closure once we have sufficient data. So I would assume that would come relatively soon. Uh, but as we were previously reported, we at the Electric, we actually have the best degradation data that ever released by Tesla. Well, actually, Tesla didn't really, yeah, that exists. Tesla didn't release that, but we managed to obtain that on thousands of vehicles. Like every point you see in this uh, chart here is um, is uh, an, an actual vehicle, and you, you get the uh, you, you get the battery pack usable capacity over the total kilowatt hour used since. So it's not mileage, but it's the equivalent of mileage since it's the cycling of the battery pack, basically. So you see there's a, actually a decent number of uh, vehicles that are not performing as uh, like the average. But uh, the, the most interesting data here, because uh, the actual average is similar to what Tesla is talking about. You have between 10 and 15% between 100,000 miles and uh, uh, 20,000 miles, 10 and 15% degradation. But the weird thing is the difference between the uh, 90 kilowatt hour pack versus uh, 85 kilowatt hour pack. So it, it, the, there's a big drop in capacity sooner with the 90 kilowatt hour pack, which is notoriously the worst one. Obviously, not as big a deal anymore, uh, for at least for new car buyers, since these pack, both of these packs have been retired. But uh, for used car buyers, it's something to uh, keep, uh, keep in your mind, though, for sure. All right, uh, this is an interesting one too. A uh, new software update came out this week that uh, Tesla is bringing back uh, regenerative braking options. So this is not for everyone because uh, for, for people that had it before, it stayed in the car. But when it was uh, removed in 2020, so for cars from 2020 onwards, it there was no option of uh, regenerative braking strength anymore. It was just a standard one, which the standard one is the highest one. So the most where you get the most regenerative braking. And uh, this was an interesting move from Tesla when they did that, when they removed the cap capacity to put a low regenerative, say, uh, regenerative braking setting. And uh, we assumed that they, they wanted everyone to use the most efficient way to use the car, which is uh, in standard with the highest possible um, region braking capacity. Uh, but some people were complaining. Uh, there's At least there's two valid complaints, I guess. There is uh, the fact that more regenerative braking in certain like condition where it's slippery outside, where there ice or or, or rain, there's maybe an argument that it's uh, safer to have low region and you can control the braking just with actual manual brakes. I don't personally believe that's a big deal. I mean, I live in Quebec and we have like a lot of slippery condition. And uh, if you are already used to the standard region, the, the specific region, I think what you're used to to drive every day is going to be the safest way because that's how you, you get a good feel for your car and you know how to uh, tackle a, a, a slippery conditions. The other argument is to ease in non-EV drivers into an electric car because it does take a little bit of a adaptation time. 
Uh, so if you start at low and then you eventually move to standard, and but that's the goal, though. You want to move to standard because, again, it's more efficient. Um, you can start at low and then eventually get to standard. To be honest, I think that the adaptation time is uh, pretty fast for most people. Uh, what do you think, Seth? Uh, I don't know. Uh, not in a Tesla, but in the Chevy Bolt. Um, when I do hit uh, some slippery ice, uh, the regen will actually, like when I let off the accelerator, I'll, I'll start sliding a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, the regen in the bolt is way stronger. Um, so it's just a different different kind of situation. But you have you have more than two levels in the bolt, do you? Is there the paddles? In the well, there's the paddle. So you, there's like four levels. Yeah. Um, because you can use both the paddle and the setting, or you can use the setting, or you can use the paddle. Um, but also, uh, a lot of Teslas have four-wheel drive. Um, the Bolt only has two-wheel drive. Okay. So that's, and it's the front wheels that are uh, slowing down. So in one way, that's good because that's, uh, it'll slow you down much faster in the front than the back, but, um, or you can put more braking on that. But um, it also changes like the, the dynamics of the uh, on ice. So I I get it. Like I I haven't experienced it myself. But if you have all four wheels like slowing at the same time, or the rear wheels slowing at the same time, there's a lot less likelihood of a uh, situation where you kind of lose control. Uh, so I don't know. That's no, no. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I'm always good for more options anyway. Like, options are good. It's just in this case, I think, like, most people should. I, I don't, like, the only, my only concern that with having a low is that some people would just end up using the low because they think it's easier and they don't want to bother. But you, you're going to get less efficiency if you do that. Yep. Although some right. people will argue that, you know, on highways, they get better uh, by letting it roll than get, getting regen, yeah. but. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, I'm on autopilot every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, All right. we have a few more uh, news articles we want to discuss. Then we're going to jump into the comment section. So if you guys have any question today, any subjects you want us to discuss, you can put it in the comment section right now, and we're going to get to them in uh, about uh, 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. All right, this was an interesting one here. Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, uh, commented on Tesla's... Uh, price cuts and the so-called EV price war going on right now. And as I, I as I research is common, actually, I, I forgot that we did report on this uh, last summer. That was about uh, um, eight months ago when uh, Farley actually predicted this price war. He said that uh, last summer, he said, be careful, there's going to be a price war coming in the EV market in the US. And sure enough, he was right because in January, Tesla started cutting prices and Ford had to follow with the Mustang Mackie price cuts. And then Tesla, after that, just went nuts and kept kept cutting prices at the sorry at an impressive rate. Now um, he was asked about like Tesla's approach to just like cutting prices in order to sell as many cars as possible right now as they increase production. And he said, uh, "Go read 1913, which is actually a, a book that uh, talks about uh, Ford uh, his first years as a mass producer when Henry Ford introduced the." production line in, in uh sorry farley continued this this has all happened before so he say that, that tesla should take note of when ford became a mass producer because tesla is becoming a mass producer right now 
Um, so specifically about the price cut, you had it. I think that he's going to learn. Uh, he, I assume he's talking about Elon. Um, to learn his product, product freshness means a lot. The product gets uh, commoditized, and then you lose your pricing premium. That's a really dangerous thing. So I thought that was an interesting comment because I, I, I think there is some truth to it, really. Uh, when you think about it, and I, I know that Tesla is not like Tesla is aware of that. And Tesla's goal is always like uh, make the best product possible at all time. But um, there's definitely an argument to be made that Tesla's lineup is not the freshest right now. Uh, as a whole by itself, with having just four models uh, and the last one being introduced four years ago, that's uh, that's not the freshest. Of course, Cybertruck should should fix that relatively soon. There should be a new product, so that the lineup as a whole should be a little bit fresher. But then you go back to the vehicle themselves. Model S and X, they, they they got that that big refresh like uh, almost now two years ago. Okay, so it's not too bad, but it's not also it wasn't the biggest refresh ever either. Uh, then Model Three, you could argue, is in need of a big refresh. Good news, there's one happening, but. It, it's not going to be the biggest refresh either. Like as far as we know, like the our front end and the picture that we saw a few weeks ago looked great and everything. But I don't know if it's going to be big enough refresh to completely like to 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 energize the the Model Three cells uh, that much. And then Model Y, like that's the biggest one, and that's the one that I kind of agree with uh, with Farley here about the commodity uh, argument, where Tesla is producing so much Model Y. And even though it's not a that old of a vehicle, like a three, three, four years old vehicle, uh, it's um, the fact that it's so close to the Model 3 in design, the fact that there are so many out there so fast, like Model Y went from like nothing to like now a million Everywhere. people a year. So yeah. it, it, it is sort of a commodity now. And commodities are about one thing, and that's price. Like so the price and, and uh, rareness. So like, now it's not so much rare of a commodity, so the price go, goes down. And so he's kind of right about that. Um, so it's something to think about when we think about Tesla's sales and price cut right now. And to be honest, it's kind of... Uh, Tesla kind of admitted... Elon, Elon himself kind of admitted it during the earnings call when he said, we're, we're looking at uh, orders every day and we're looking at uh, production every day and we're trying to have them match. And to do that, we're doing price cuts. All right, well... That's basically you're dealing in commodities now. You know, they should do stuff like more colors, more like do a wrap, you know, factory wraps, more uh, more options. There's really like it's like 12 configurations you can get of every Tesla right now. 12 configuration? No, I mean, there's just not that many options on a Tesla right now. Yeah. Like, yeah oh, that's true. Yeah. But that they did that on purpose. Too. <laughs> right. It makes it easier, but. Uh, to uncommoditize it, you could have some interesting colors, whatever. Yeah, no, but you're right that there's a few like little things they could do that could make it like uh, more interesting. But um, at the end of the day, it, at the same time, I want to. But that that also plays in pricing. I would guess you have to give it to, to Tesla that the the market conditions are also not ideal for selling new cars right now. It's just the, the interest rates are, are, are not ideal. But again, that's, that's purely, um, that that's purely due to uh, 
the, the market condition. All right, this is your post set. Uh, the vault is dead, really? Uh, well, they're not making them anymore as of the end of this year, 2023. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know if they're going to call it a 2024. Probably not going to call it a 2024 if they're, they're not going to make them in 2024. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if you read the comments or saw that, you know, the, the uproar in the Reddit, uh, you know, the Bolt groups on Facebook and Reddit. Uh, no. People were really, like, freaking out a little bit about it because... They're like, well, hey, I'm about to buy a Bolt. And my thing is, like, it does, like the Altium platform is for GM. Like, it makes it easier for GM to build cars. It doesn't make it easier to, like, service the cars or, what you know, whatever. Like, uh, once you get a battery pack, you're likely going to have that same battery pack for, you know, 8, 10, 15 years. Uh, you know, unless they catch on fire or something. <clears throat> so... <laughs> Um, you know, I, for me, I like, I have a bolt. I just bought a 2023 bolt. Uh, I'm not worried about it. Like I'll have it for five or 10 years or, you know, give it to my high school kid and he'll crash it. But, um, <laughs> like whatever, like, I, I'm not worried about them not making it The The thing I don't like, I guess, is that GM doesn't have like a, a built-in replacement for it they've said that they're going to have a thirty thousand uh, dollar equinox and equinox is a bigger car it's wider longer a little bit taller um, it's a more premium car it's got a really nice um, dashboard display um, it's not going to have carplay or android auto which is another controversy um, and, I, and the thirty thousand dollar version is not going to be available in 2024 i bet uh, it's not going to be available until the end of 2024, according to GM. And that's, you know, optimistic best case scenario. So basically from the end of 2023 to the end of 2024, there's not going to be a low price uh, EV from GM that mm -hmm. we know of. Um, obviously, there's going to be used bolts out there you can buy. The, the Nissan Leaf might still be around. I don't know if they're going to. I mean, the Aria is starting to come out in numbers, so. Hopefully that thing gets killed too because it's got Chatamo fast charging and really. I think fewer people will cry about that one. I think. Right, and and that one should definitely go. The problem, the other thing is though, I think that GM is like not addressing at all is like people want a small car. So the the Equinox is similar ish, a little bit bigger than the EUV, right? The and the EUV is like six inches longer than the the Bolt EV. But I think a lot of people are actually like they want, you know, like a hot hatch, you know, hatchback, a, a, a VW Golf type of uh, vehicle. Like, I think people actually like those things. I, I know I like my smaller Bolt. I, you know, opted for the smaller one. So uh, I don't know if GM's really taking that into consideration. And now if you want a small car, what are your options? Uh, in a small EV, you have the, uh, the Mini Cooper, I guess, 120 mile yeah, range. range that's going to go up uh next year uh fiat 500 e is coming out the new uh, improved one that's running around europe right now um, still limited range though no no the new one's got uh you know 200 something miles oh really oh, yeah yeah um yeah they announced it at the la auto show uh it was like one of the only things that was there um 
but it's not coming from like not not this but year. Also, but is that not year. smaller, much smaller than the Bolt though, or is it? Is it but one the, of the new Fiat? the Fiat is bigger than it used to be, so okay, it's, okay, okay, okay. it's closer in size. It's the um, American Fiat, right? And then you know, theoretically, Tesla is going to have something built in Mexico in 2024. Um, what else? I, what what are what are the small? I mean, the Ford or sorry, the Porsche Boxster is going to be out if you have got. A lot of coin to throw at your small car. Uh, I imagine Audi at some point is going to build a small, uh, you know, like a TT or what are what are there? Well, now now we're we're not talking about uh, yeah patches anymore. We're talking right. about sports car, like. right? Right. But I'm just saying, like, there's no there's as of the end of this year, there's not going to be a small uh, hatchback kind of uh, EV, and that's that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and also I think it's interesting that like the Bolt EV is basically going out on its best year ever. Like it's they can't make enough. They're yeah, they're... they can't make enough of it. They're gonna make like fifty percent more than they made last year almost, and uh, and then bye bye, it's done. Like, yeah, uh, we're moving on to Altium, and uh, and that's it. So that's an that's an interesting. Like you don't necessarily kill your, and also they are killing their most popular EV programs right now. Like they're the the Cadillac Lyric and the GMC Hummer EV just like that's uh that's peanuts compared to uh nothing yeah the Bolt EV yeah it's gonna be a weird time that transition period where GM's gonna be ma- you know at the end of this year GM's gonna be making almost no EVs and yeah. less than they were making oh well, I mean they've they've when the Bolt fires happened they were making no EVs too so yeah but um but yeah, I mean, I really hope because that's a company that claims to be all in into electric vehicles. So I really hope that the, the Equinox EV, Silverado EV, Blazer, I hope that the ramp up is going to happen fast. Otherwise, like like you said, it's going to be an awkward period of time. Yeah, and uh, the big thing about Chevy that you know we have the nine to five Max site as well. Uh, they're they're dumping CarPlay and Android Auto, yeah. which you know Tesla and Rivian and Lucid for a while. Uh, you know, didn't have that. Um, Lucid came in with their own uh, CarPlay, which is really bad. But Tesla and Rivian are sticking to their guns. They're not going to add CarPlay and Android Auto. But, you know, GM has had CarPlay and Android Auto. And they're kind of ripping it out of their customers' hands because the Equinox will not have access to it. And they're replacing mm-hmm. it with, a, you know, an Android Automotive, which has, like, Android apps, which... Of course, every app that is on an iPhone, for the most part, is on Android, except for, you know, uh, some of Apple's stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you're not going to get Apple Maps on your Chevy, for instance. No, I understand. So, uh, interesting times for GM. Yeah, something to keep track of, especially during the transition in 2024. All right, still on GM though. Um, big announcement this week: they partner with Samsung SDI to build a new three billion dollar battery cell factory in the U.S. So this is interesting because it's a move away from LG because um, GM is very close to LG to their Altium battery cell, uh, Altium cell joint venture. So they announced like three giant battery factory in the U.S. already. Well, I say announced one is already in production, two others in construction. They're they're already like ongoing. Um, there was rumor 
of a fourth one with LG, a fourth Altium cell battery GMLG partnership. And then in January, we heard that the talks were on old indefinitely, like the talks crumbled between them. And now, oop, out of nowhere, it's actually Samsung is the eye that get the next partnership with GM on the battery cell factory in the U.S. It's going to be a three billion battery uh, battery, battery uh, factory that's going to produce more than thirty gigawatt hour of battery cell capacity a year. So not the most efficient factory out there. Like three billion dollars for thirty gigawatt hour is a it's a billion dollars per ten gigawatt hour. It's a lot of money. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that, uh, well, I mean, it makes sense if you're building a supply chain, you want to diversify your suppliers. So it makes sense to do it with two. But I don't know, or some people are suggesting that it might mean that the situation between GM and LG is souring. Sour, souring? Is that a word? Souring, yeah. Yeah, it turns sours. Um, obviously, there was the battery fire. Now this. And now, <laughs> now, in uh, the Bolt TV, technically, as. LG cells in, in them, like all, all of uh, GM's vehicles have, well, now Altium cells, but that's GM and LG cells. Right. So now I guess uh, they are killing the only car that has just LG cells in them. So I don't know. I, I think it's probably more about just diversifying their, their supply chain for, for battery cell than a problem with LG. But I wouldn't also completely... Um, put it outside of the realm of possibilities that makes sense uh i remember somebody saying back when uh there was rumors of this happening uh that uh lg wasn't making cylindrical cells but i think lg makes cylindrical cells for tesla don't don't they uh yeah and uh and for for more than just tesla now i think right. uh, um i think lucid too or is it might, lucid might be samsung i'm not so sure uh but yeah now everyone is making cylindrical cell now it's just uh yeah tesla made that happen uh, yeah, and they're not saying where in the U.S. just yet, uh, but uh, the, they are expecting to start production in 2026. So there's still a few years to, to they're probably in negotiation right now with some states and some cities. All right. Uh, last one before we get into your comments, uh, guys, in just a few uh, minutes is uh, Volvo announced their earnings uh, or the, the, the earnings, their, their delivery results. And uh, their electric vehicle sales jump up to 30,000 units in uh, the first quarter. And that represents 18% of their total car sale versus 8% last year. So it's a fairly significant jump. And of course, we know Volvo is uh, one of the more aggressive automakers in terms of uh, transitioning to electric vehicles. But still ways to go at 80%, 18%. And at the same time, they announced that the EX90 uh, SUV uh, they stopped taking orders for those because they claimed that they, uh, they received too many. Unfortunately, they did that move where they say, ah, we have so much demand, too many, but they don't actually say how much they receive. So literally, they could have received, like, they could have planned to, oh, we cannot take more than 2,000, and they got 2,000, and then it's over. Now, I don't think that is the case here because I think the SUV is uh, uh, a very attractive one for many people, and like uh, we discussed before the show set, you said that especially probably the third row is going to be a big uh, seller for this, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody I talk to uh, that is thinking about a bigger, you know, Rivian R1S or Kia EV9 uh, type of vehicle also is in love with this thing. Um, and, I, you know, it's a sharp looking vehicle. It's got a third row. Uh, it's not quite 
a you know trucky thing but it looks like it could probably go off-road a little bit it's in the sand here if you're watching the video uh so and and to put my money where my mouth is i have one of these on reservation if if rivian doesn't get their act together and ship an r1s speaking of that uh we got updates today on our uh our r1s uh what, what's your situation yeah i got I, I saw what you posted in the newsroom and I, I got the same reaction as you that the subject line for that email was april big, delivery yeah that was a big teaser like all right they move. Uh, um yeah they actually uh, they updated when we're gonna get our delivery window which means nothing basically right. uh so it was supposed to be this month month of april which is coming to an end where you get a delivery window and it tell you when we get a delivery and mind you i'm i'm one that put the reservation on this like the day you could in 2019 no 2018 whenever they unveil the car um and now they're saying that no you won't get your delivery window this month you're gonna get a delivery window um in july so in july i will know when i might be getting the car so not great no, um, now in my case it's a bit different than your case said because i'm in canada and they are one of the reasons why uh, they don't want to deliver to me is that they need a service center where uh, near enough where I live. So it would be like probably Montreal. Uh, and they don't have one yet. So until they have that, I don't think the, uh, they're going to deliver any car around me. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. I, uh, mm. I'm, I'm waiting for it, but now I'm starting to think probably Volvo EX90 will be delivered ahead of mine. And uh, yeah, what when did they say you get your delivery window? Volvo or no, no, uh, Rivian. So Rivian says I will get it September to December of 2023. And I, I ordered mine before the reviews of the R1T came out, like the mm -hmm. first early reviews. I, I can't remember when that was, but uh, I think... early 2021, yeah, uh, no, late 2021, late 21. Yeah, it feels like forever, uh, and I've seen people online with my same time period that are so. Usually, we kind of like as auto journalists, we kind of get a little help along. Like, um, you know, somebody will point us to like, oh, there's an inventory thing over here you should take a look at, or you know, magically, uh, you know, a Ford F one fifty is available for us. Um, but uh, Rivian's not set the case there they're they're putting us in the with all the plebs <laughs> yeah and uh for the volvo the, when when is this car coming out uh end of the year this end year as well so yeah um this is kind of exclusive info but volvo we we talked about um or they talked about on their earnings call um there's a new volvo that's going to replace the ex sorry the uh, 40, the, what is it? The C XC 40. Uh, the XC 40 is a already Volvo that like a gas Volvo that they swapped out a battery for. So it's not really elegantly done. Um, but they're going to replace that with a, another small SUV, uh, Volvo, uh, next year. And we're going out on a trip to Italy to test it out, nice. um, in June, June. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, and uh, I, I think that's going to be a really nice car too. I mean, they're they're kind of do, doing all the right things. It feels like Volvo. They they've got good relationship with 
um, Google. They've got some LiDAR stuff happening. Uh, they've got, you know, big batteries. It's all good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm hyped up about Volvo and, and Polestar. All right, let's jump into the comments. I think we have a, a bunch today. All right, Farfolo Mew. Uh, hope the show was great. Uh, he's been waiting all week. Um, also, could they natively charge using Supercharger Network? I think that came before the show started, so I don't know what what he's referring to there. Uh, maybe uh, Tesla opening up the network or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask how many of those cars are right hand steering configuration? Any idea? I think we were talking about the, uh, the yeah, those are US, US inventory, so none. All right. Um, Andrew McDonald, I have a 2020 Model X long range in Canada. This week I got an email from Tesla offering six years of free supercharger for buying a new Model X or Model S. Hold out, Andrew. I think if you. I think you can get another 10 or 15 years out of Tesla. Yeah, we reported on that last week. Yeah, um, yeah you need to trade in your older Model X or get, sign a paper that says you don't want the unlimited supercharging on it anymore. Uh, Tyler Donahoe, crazy that we are going to start dating things to pre-AI and post-AI in terms of veracity. Probably at some point, not just yet, but at some point crazy and like how how you know as news reporters how do we you know we get a video like how are we going to discern whether they're no, legit or not? You, you won't be able to do that anymore like it was going to be too easy at some point to just produce those so there's going to be some kind of like you're going to have to have like an encryption key or something like you have to validate like the companies they're going to send you information you have to send you like directly and like you have to validate where it comes from where it's come from is more important than the actual content of it yeah it's crazy like, yeah i was watching this i forget the name now but it's a great british tv show on it that that kind of introduced this idea of like when this happened like what it's going to look like and what people are going to be able to do with it and it's so scary oh yeah it is weird all right uh, dan Oberstay, i've never tried the yoke but the feature about it that appeals to me is that it doesn't block the high beam indicator blinker light etc on the Benacle. Not a problem for my Model 3, but it's on other cars. Yeah. Okay, I'm confused. So what is the high beam indicator? I think that's on the front dash. You know how... Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's that it tells you that your high beams are on. But... Okay. Yeah, on the Model Y and Model... Sorry, the Model S and Model I X. think you still need to like the, the form factor of it, but that's not a big of enough uh, positive. All right, Farfolomew, uh, can't battery degradation be mitigated by internally limiting pack usage to 20 to 80%? For example, on my laptop, I have the option so that if it stays 100% charged internally, this uh, state of would, charge state of charge is only 80%. Uh, uh, it can help. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a recommendation from the manufacturer to keep it uh, below 90 and uh, uh, the more you can do that, probably the better it's going to be. But uh, I've never seen actually like a strong data that's, uh, that, that tells a difference. Like uh, if you use the pack the same way, but do like every, every, the, all the same way, except that you do that versus you don't, if that makes that big of a difference. But if they say it, it does, like I assume it does. 
All right. Uh, the crash attenuator we were talking about earlier was damaged by a Prius ah, I think the okay. week prior, prior. So my brain is not uh, processed. Maybe it was a joke somebody made or something that I stored. <laughs> I, in thought, I thought you were making a joke. And then that's what I, I stored it in the wrong part of my brain, probably, yeah. or something. Uh, Dan Nober stays back. Aesthetic refresh of vehicles is just tricking customers into paying more for the same vehicle. A new engine or suspension may deserve a higher price. But scoop on the hood or new lights is a scam. Yeah, but you kind of want to have a. Uh, a cool I don't moment. know about that. Like it, it completely depends on how much value you put on aesthetics on a car, and you'd be surprised how much people put value on their aesthetics of the cars. It's a lot of people. It's a, uh, one of the big ones. Like there's. I mean, staff, look at staples, look at iPhones. Yeah. Every year, gotta have a new iPhone. And it it, it, it works. The camera is point two percent better. Yeah. Uh, the trick with standard regen and cold weather is to remember that the accelerator is an analog control, not digital. That it's not just on or off. That's true. Yeah, th th that's basically just getting used to your accelerator and to your car. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The problem with the the bolt is the the paddle is not yeah. analog. It's a either on or off. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's a little general. Uh, Antonia Hollyville question: Kathy Wood from Ark Invest. Predicts Tesla stock up to two thousand based on FSD. Does she have insider information to to be confident in saying this? Because nobody seems to agree with this assessment. I think she's got a, yeah. a lot of she's got a lot of bags that she's holding. Yeah, she had a billion dollars at Tesla stock right now, so she uh, kind of has to say that. But Antonio, I know I know what you're doing right now. You're doing some awful thinking. You're like you're trying you you want her prediction to be true, so you're trying to find things that would justify it being true. That would that would put credibility on it but i'm sorry to burst your bubble but katie wood has no insider information that tells her when Tesla's going to release a robo taxi service and you know why because there's no insider that has that information either tesla doesn't know when they're going to release that either so how could you have insider information on it tesla is just guessing just like it has been guessing for the past few years and that's why elon has been wrong on this prediction along uh, a few times no one actually knows no one inside no one outside of this all right, Spike 43, that Model X accident was awful, but the distance to crash and playing a game is negligent. Deep fake argument is insane, but also is the idea that you could play a game and drive in 2018. And, and in 2023. Yeah. yeah, I agree with this whole comment, but I would have not just in 2018, but still today. All right. What is your opinion of the Modec EV van? I've never heard of that. Have you? Yeah. Nope, I have not either. I'm Googling it. It's probably an European thing or an Asian thing. Oh, it's like a uh, FedEx kind of van. Yeah, it's Europe. Okay. Well, uh, we don't know. Looks nice. Uh, random dude, I know at least initially the Bolt was losing money on every sale. That is complicated because of the Zev credits. Mm -hmm. uh, you get like 20 grand each bolt for some 19,000 or something for each bolt so even though they were losing on a per unit basis they were getting the money back in zev credits so a little complicated andrew mcdonald what do you think of the byd chinese electric car called the seagull the state cost is eleven thousand and up to 250 miles of range and can charge from 20 to 80 in 30 minutes real or fake news 
Well, the range is uh, well, I don't, it's not real or fake. It's just I think it's more of a this is a Chinese standard, so like the EPA wouldn't be two fifty. Uh, but the the car looks fairly good for what it is for the cost. Like I I, I like the way it looks and the the specs look good for the price too. Um, I don't know about the cost of eleven thousand dollars though. Um, I thought it was a little bit more than that. Um. We did a post, or I did a post on this about four months ago when it was like in Chinese media that they were going to have a price around this. And um, the the idea was that it's a $10,000 car and it kind of looks like a Chevy Bolt. And if you think the Bolt was cheap, this is this one costs about a, a third to a half the price. Uh, so I, I have a feeling this car is not going to be like up to like American standards can be very or, or Western standards. It's going to be very inexpensive, very not crash worthy. Um, but it's going to get a lot more people into uh, EVs, which is a good thing in China, in China. And they're going to export it to Brazil, like brick uh, countries. So maybe in Russia, maybe in India as well. That would so, be nice. Yeah. Uh, any update on Giga Mexico breaking ground? Okay. No, but it should be. Uh, it should be fairly soon. I would. I would. Uh, I would assume it's going to be this quarter. Yeah, the uh, the Mexican officials did not seem like they were going to throw any, uh, you know, environmental issue type stuff or have yeah. any votes or listen to anybody. Yeah, they they're not putting red tapes. I think they're no rolling out the red carpets. Yeah, that's it. We should use that. They're not. They're not doing the red tape. They're doing the red carpet. I All just right. came came up with that on the spot. Amazing. It's almost as if I'm a writer. It's a, it's almost <laughs> as if English is your first language. <laughs> Question: We have heard about Rivian software updates, but when will they have a drainable front truck trunk and 220 volt vehicle to load to charge a jet ski like the F150? I mean, the drainable front trunk. I don't think. Uh... You just get a drill, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's like a top priority, to be honest. I don't think like it's a, a difference maker for the buyers. But I do admit that the uh, higher output uh, vehicle to load in the back, that's a big deal. Like um, Sylvain Juteau, friends from uh, from Quebec, has a F-150 Lightning. And that's that's a huge feature to have. Like uh, It's a game changer. Yeah. I uh, um, talked to a Rivian engineer and I said, she, they said we will not talk about future upgrades and i was like well can you put a 240 i said 240 volt uh vehicle to load thing they have a uh one 110 volt right now in the you know, by the back seat um and they were like yeah we could put we could put you know 20 kilowatts coming out of here um so it's it's available i think it's just not high on their the to-do list mm-hmm. right now at rivian it should be because like I think a lot of people that are buying these trucks are buying it to have also like nice uh, little electric toys to carry around with them whenever they are like electric motorcycle like like uh, motocross bike uh, now they are uh, electric jet skis they are uh, uh, electric snowmobiles like they're all these stuff coming like boats like you want you want to bring your electric boat to, to to the lake but you can also charge it on the way to the lake or something there's so many things you can do now so uh, I, I think I think it would be a good idea to do that as soon as possible. For sure. 
All right. Well, that's it for us this week, everyone. I appreciate every single one of you watching, listening. If you do enjoy the show, and only if you do, if you can do us a favor and uh, click the like button, uh, the thumbs up, whatever it is on your app right now, because we are live everywhere. Uh, and also, if you are listening on your podcast app, um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if you can leave us a five-star review, it takes a second to do. It's free, and it helps the show more than you can think. Uh, so um, that's it for us this week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.